You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. Well, let's open in prayer and we'll get started. Y'all ready for some word tonight? Yes. 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 Me too. Me too. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness and your faithfulness, your love for us, Lord. Thank you for all that you've done for us, all that you provided for us through the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he accomplished. Father, we're so grateful that we're redeemed tonight, that we're washed in the blood, that we're forgiven, we're born again. And Father, we thank you. It's all because of Jesus and what he did. And Father, I thank you that he sent the Holy Spirit to live and dwell on the inside of us. And he promised us that he would, that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher. And so, Lord, we purpose to receive from the Holy Spirit tonight. Holy Ghost, we give you permission to teach and to bring revelation, enlighten our eyes spiritually. And Father, I thank you that as we do that, we're going to be edified. We're going to be built up. Our faith is going to be built up. And Lord, we purpose in our hearts to receive everything that you have for us. And Father, we'll be mindful to Again, not be hearers of the word, but we'll be doers of it as well. And we love you and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I tell you what, if you want to turn in your Bibles with me, let's start out in Matthew chapter 16. Now, this is going to be a little uh, different tonight, and uh, and I'll explain to you why. Of course, we finished our last series, uh, A Better Covenant, last week. And uh, so in praying and just asking the Lord, Lord, what is it that you want us to to talk about in the weeks to come on on Bible study? And the Lord just spoke right down here in my spirit. And uh, he said this, he said, I want my people to understand the times and the seasons of the Lord. And so when that registered down on the inside of me and, and I heard what he said, I began to think about it, meditate on it some, and I happened to be driving at the time that he said it to me. So I made a note so I wouldn't forget that. And then when I got home, I began to look up and, and, and look at scriptures, look at some definitions and so forth, and uh, just began to lay it out. And I was amazed at what all the Bible has to say about it. So if you're taking notes, uh, if you want to write down, let me give you a couple of Greek words, which actually are translated. That phrase, times and seasons, appears in the scripture, predominantly in the New Testament. And so there's two Greek words. One of them is the first word, chronos, C-H-R-O-N-O-S, C-H-R-O-N-O-S, R-O-N-O-S, and it's the word we get our English word chronology from. And this word is used 54 times in the New Testament, and it always refers to a specific piece of time. Like, uh, you know, I could say uh, we were together here on Bible study last week at this same time. And so that's a very specific point of time. It's, uh, you know, always referred to as a day or an hour or something very specific like that. The other Greek word that is used in the New Testament is the Greek word kairos, and it's, I'll spell it for you, it's K-A-I-R-O-S, 
K-A-I-R-O-S, and it is used 86 times in the New Testament, and it refers to an opportune time. It's not a set time like three o'clock in the afternoon. It's an opportune time. It's uh, in the way the dictionary defined it, it's quote, a moment or a season such as harvest time. And so I want you to keep those definitions in mind. And as we go through this and look at some of these scriptures, we're going to look at several scriptures and uh, where these words are used. And uh, it's just really interesting to me that the Holy Spirit would bring that up. And then what we'll do, and of course, if we don't get to it tonight, we'll pick it up next week. But part of this is looking at and learning and, and uh refamiliarizing ourselves, reminding ourselves about how to be led by the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, when the Lord said this to me, it really had, I don't want to say an urgency to it, but it had like a high level of importance to me in the sense of that the Lord really wants Christians in the body of Christ to be more aware of what's going on not only from a, a, the world standpoint, but what's going on spiritually, what's going on in their lives, what's happening. And, uh, you know, it, 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 and, it, and it's especially in the time that we're living in, in the, the time frame that we're living in. You know, I know I, uh, one of these days I'm going to teach a series on this. I've never really taught on end time stuff, but, uh, you know, one of these days I will teach on that. But I, I think none of us would dispute the fact that we're living in the very last of the last days. Jesus is coming soon. Uh, you, you know, uh, I'm not one that uses a world as an indicator, but there are signs that we can look at that are transpiring in, in what is going on in the world. And, and um, you know, it fulfills what the Bible describes. And so we know that the coming of the Lord, the rapture of the church is not far off. However, that all being said, there are many, many, many things that God wants to accomplish in the earth before that takes place. There are, of course, we know that the, the Bible tells us that he is waiting uh, for the, the harvest of the precious fruit of the earth, which are, you know, the lives of men, women, and boys and girls. And there is a great harvest that is coming. I believe that there is a, a great revival of the church that's getting ready to take place soon uh, with tremendous outpourings of the power of God and demonstrations like we've never seen before. And God's intention is this, is that none of us get caught off guard by those things. In other words, it ought not be a surprise to us. You know, when we see something happening in another city or state or another part of the world, uh, you know, where God is pouring out his power and manifesting himself, you know, something on the inside of us ought to say, yeah, I knew that was coming. I knew that that was getting ready to take place. May not have known specifically where, but I knew that it was taking place. And so those are the types of things that God wants us to look for. And then also he's wanting us to be aware of the times and seasons in our own lives. He wants us to be aware of the direction and the leading that he is endeavoring to bring to pass in our lives so that you and I can be aware 
of what he's doing. And so let's look at some scriptures and uh, I'll make some commentary on these. So go with me over to Matthew, the 16th chapter, and let's look at some scriptures there. And I, these particular verses really highlight Jesus' viewpoint on this in the sense of his level of importance and the, the, the uh, importance that he places on it. But Matthew chapter 16 and verse 1 says this, Then the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees came and testing him, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. And he answered and said to them, Now before I give you his answer and we read it, I want you to understand, look at and pay attention to the details of what they're asking for. They said, show us a sign from heaven. Now, what they're asking for is, and basically what they're saying to us is this, prove to us you are who you say you are, okay? And that's what they're looking for. So Jesus answered and said to them in verse two, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather for today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, he said, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but yet you cannot discern the signs of the times. Now, if you will, underline the word times there in that scripture. And that word times there is not chronos, it's kairos. And uh, what what the Lord and the reason that Jesus used that particular word in these scriptures and his response to the Pharisees is this, is that basically, you know, they could look at the weather, they could predict what the weather was going to do by looking at certain indicators and certain signs in the skies, you know, if, uh, you know, for, for instance, the, if you say it'll be, uh, you know, the sky is red for, you know, be fair weather and so forth and so on. And so he said, but you cannot discern the signs of the kairos, the, the seasons, the, the moment that we're in, the, the particular opportunity that is taking place right before your very eyes. He goes on to say, a wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign shall be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And then he left them and departed. And of course, he's making reference to uh, the story of Jonah, which these religious leaders knew, and uh, how uh, you know Jonah in his situation found himself uh, in the belly of the whale for three days, and then uh, you know the story. He was uh, spewed up on the beach and so forth, and uh, Jesus was making reference to the fact that in his ministry, what was getting ready to happen in the not-too-distant future is in three days, he was going to accomplish something very great and very profound. And of course, on this side, we know exactly what that is. But my point is this, he made a big deal. Jesus made a big deal and, and scolded the religious leaders that they could not discern the signs of the times. They could not discern the opportunities that were in front of them. They couldn't discern the moment, the spiritual moment that was taking place. Can you imagine, and of course we know that the, the plan of God was for Jesus to go to the cross, uh, but could you imagine if the religious leaders were able to discern who he was, what he was about, and what he was going to accomplish, and they signed off on it and partnered with him? 
how much of an impact that could have taken place. And, and, you know, the fact of the matter is he had no right to scold them if the opportunity was not there for them to discern that. And so, of course, they, they did not, and they missed out. Now, go back with me to the eighth chapter of Matthew, Matthew chapter eight. And uh, I want to show you another example of this word kairos, Matthew 8, verse 28. And uh, let me just give you a little background. This is when Jesus and the disciples crossed the Sea of Galilee. They went over uh, to the country of the, it says Gergesenes in the, the New King James, Gadarene, you've probably seen it's the same place. And uh, it says, when he had come to the other side, the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce that no one could pass that way. Look, and, but I want to just point out what the spirits said, crying out. And suddenly they cried out saying, what have we to do with you, Jesus, you son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time. And that word time there is the Greek word kairos. It's not a reference to a specific day of the week. In other words, these demon spirits are aware that there is a season, there is an opportunity, there is a moment that is coming that they know uh, that their demise is on its way. And so what they were referring to is, Jesus, uh, is this the moment? Is this the the season? Is this the time that that's going to take place? All right, let's go to another reference in Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13, and let's look at verse 32. You know, and again, as I, after the Lord dropped that in my spirit, and I began to go, and I looked at all these scriptures and find out what words were being used, it really made some of these things jump out to me. Okay, uh, Mark 13, let's look at verse 32. Jesus uh, said this, the first 31, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. Take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the kairos is. It's like a man going to a far country who left his house, gave authority to his servants to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming in the evening at midnight or at the crowing of the rooster or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all watch. In other words, Jesus is telling us be aware of the times and the seasons. Now, I want to uh, just really, you know, emphasize this and say, uh, again, it's bigger than just trying to figure out who the Antichrist is. It's much bigger than trying to figure out, okay, is Jesus coming on, on September the 22nd at, you know, whatever time, which people have tried to do that. And, and I'm going to show you that that's impossible. But the, the thing that I want you to see is, is that you, there, there are two realms that you need to be aware of, the times and seasons for the overall body of Christ and the world, 
and the times and seasons for your own life. Let me jump ahead and I'll say this. God has in store for each and every one of us divine connections, relationships that we need as far as uh, his will for our lives, things that he wants us to accomplish, people he wants to bring across our paths, opportunities that he wants to bring across our path into our lives. And the thing that uh, happens all too often is because we're not aware and we're not sensitive, we miss those spiritual opportunities that God brings into our lives. And unfortunately, we let them go. And, and you know, the only thing that the Lord can do is maybe try again and see if you're, you know, you and I are aware. But um, the thing that we're needing to be aware of is what is God doing at this moment in my life and be aware of that and understand that and be able to receive it and walk in it. Go over to Luke's gospel, the first chapter. Luke's gospel, the first chapter. Okay. And uh, let's look at, I'll, I'll read. Um, let's start at verse 18. Uh, I have just one verse, but I want to just give you a little bit of background. This is the story of Zecharias and Elizabeth. If you'll recall, uh, Zecharias was in the priesthood and was responsible for putting the incense out in the temple. He and his wife, uh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth was Mary, Jesus' mother, her cousin. Okay, and so uh, the Bible says that they, uh, let's see, I was looking back at the earlier verses, but there is a scripture. Well, I think it's in the response at the angel. Um, yeah, look at verse 13. So Zecharias and Elizabeth had been praying for a child. Okay. They had been asking God for them to be able to have a child. And so while Zecharias is in the temple ministering with the incense, uh, it says in verse 12, and when Zechariah saw the angel, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard. So note that he and Elizabeth had been praying for a child. Uh, and your prayer is heard and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him, the Lord Jesus, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now here... <laughs> Pay attention to Zechariah's response. Okay, verse 18. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. Okay, let's pause right there. Let's think about this for a moment. Based on that response and based on what Jesus taught us about out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now, Elizabeth may have been, we don't have any indication otherwise, but Zechariah definitely was not in faith, believing God had heard and answered his prayer. Because when, if you're praying for, let me help you a minute here. If you're praying for something and an angel shows up to you and says, hey, God's heard your prayer and answered your prayer. The best thing for you to do is not to say, how's that going to happen? Or, you know, is for real? Are you talking, really? That's us? No, just say, praise the Lord. Thank God my prayer's been heard and the answer is ours, all right? But whatever you do, don't respond like Zechariah's. How shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. Like that's going to slow God down. In other words, hey, listen, keep this in mind too. This man had access to the scriptures, which talked about Abraham and Sarah. So, you know, all he had to do was go back and read the Bible. But verse 19, and the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel. Now, that, this is especially heavy, heavy duty because this isn't just any angel. This is one of the archangels of which there were three. There are only two now in heaven. And he says, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. Now, here's where I wanted to get to verse 20, but behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. Now that word time there is the Greek word kairos. Now what, let's look at this for a second. Why did the angel have to mute you know, by the power of God, why did he have to mute uh, Zechariah? Because Zechariah would have messed up his kairos by the unbelieving words of his mouth. In other words, he could have missed God's opportunity in his life if he'd have, I mean, by if he'd have continued with those words of unbelief, he could have kept or slowed the plan of God from coming to pass. And what that tells me is, is that, and, and God is no respect our persons, that there are divine appointments and things that God desires to do in our lives. I mean, let me ask you a question. What have you been praying about? Well, there is a kairos that is attached to your prayer for the answer to show up in your life. Now you might not get Gabriel showing up and saying, God's heard and answered your prayer, but you have a written word from God that says it is done. And the last thing you want to do is miss out on your appointment with God because of stupid words of doubt and unbelief. Okay. Don't miss out on that. And that's very important. And it's possible for that to happen or else this wouldn't be in the scripture for us to look at. All right. So let's go to Acts chapter one, please. Acts chapter one. Now, I don't know about you. I think all of us would be in agreement. I want nothing to do with messing up the will of God for my life because of doubt and unbelief. I want my heart to always be, Lord, whatever you want for me in my life, I am ready. I am open and just show me what I need to do. Okay. And, and make that your prayer. So look at Acts chapter one. In verses six through eight, 
Now, this is Jesus, of course, is risen from the dead. We're 40 days after the resurrection. He's gathered his disciples together, and uh, he's got them on the mountain, and, uh, you know, he's talking to them. Um, let's see. I was wanting to see. Let's begin. Uh, yeah, let's I'll just begin with verse 6. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him. Now, and this is a valid question, but they asked him. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, let's talk about their question for just a second. Their question was this. They wanted him to be king of Israel. Now, that is in the plan eventually, all right? But notice what their question was. Lord, will you at this season this opportunity at this moment, restore the kingdom to Israel. Now, keep in mind too, they were occupied by the Romans at the time that they asked this. And notice what Jesus said. He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons, which the father has put in his own power. And that word is actually authority. Okay. Now, what does that mean? that as far as what Jesus is assigned to do and what his role is in the future, now we all know because we can read the book, we know that Jesus does come back and establish his kingdom in the earth to rule and reign, not only over just Israel, but over the entire earth. And uh, so those things, those matters are held within the heart of the Father. And notice it says that uh, it's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. In other words, it's up to him when he wants to, this to happen. Now, there are things that you and I may not be made aware of, all right, as far as the grand and overall plan of God. But notice they weren't asking about something that pertained to them personally. They weren't asking about something specific to the will of God for their lives and ministry. They were asking for something that pertained to the whole world and the whole nation of Israel. And Jesus had to tell them, wait, slow your roll a little bit. That's up to the Father for him to make that to come to pass. Okay, so he said that it's... Uh, then he goes on to say, look at this in verse eight. And, and by the way, he, this is one continuous phrase. He said, it's not for you to know the times or seasons which the father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So here's what Jesus was saying. Guys, listen to me. The part that part of the plan of God that pertains to the whole world and what my mission is in the scope of eternity, that's up to the Father to reveal. But you go to Jerusalem and you wait for power that I'm going to send to you. In other words, this is the part of the plan that you need to know right now. There is power coming. And it is going to come upon you in Jerusalem. And, and the purpose of it is so that you are enabled to be witnesses for me and so forth and so on. My point is this. Notice there is an overarching plan that God has in his own heart and mind. You know, the Bible says that even the angels don't know the day nor the hour that 
the, the return of the Lord is that when the rapture of the church is going to take place, only the father knows that. And really, uh, don't spend any of your time trying to figure that out. You're not going to figure that out. God keeps that close to his vest. That's up to him. But what is next for your life, God does want to reveal to you. The next steps for your life, the next step for your ministry, whatever it is, God wants to make available to you and wants to reveal that to you. Let's go over to Romans, the 13th chapter, please. Romans, the 13th chapter. And let's look at verse 11 and 12. Now, this is a um, exhortation from the Apostle Paul to the Christians at Rome. And he said, and do this, oh, verse 10, love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law, and do this, knowing the time that now it is high time, all those, that's all Kairos, to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at a hand, therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the full armor of light. So Paul is telling the Christians at Rome, by the way, the, the Bible's viewpoint is this, the last days started on the day of Pentecost. So mm -hmm. you'll see references to the last days all throughout the epistles of the apostles. And the reason that is, is because in their minds, the last days and by the spirit, their last days, but the last days started at the day of Pentecost when the church was born. So we have been in the last days for the last 2000 years. But Paul's exhortation says this, knowing and do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of our sleep for salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Here's what Paul's point is this. We may not know exactly when the rapture is going to take place and, and when the church is going to be caught away, but we should always live our lives like it could happen at any moment. You know, the story of the, the virgins, the 10 virgins that Jesus gave and how some of them had their oil run, uh, run out and so forth and so on. You know, many people have tried to go in and dissect that, that parable and, and read all kinds of things into it. And the whole point of what Jesus was trying to say in that whole parable, it was, it's not that deep. The whole point is this, make sure you are ready. Make sure you are prepared. And so part of that is being aware of the times and the seasons. Go over with me to the book of Galatians, please. Galatians chapter six. Now I love this. This, this was exciting to me. Galatians chapter six, verse nine. You know this verse, you've heard it probably many times. The scripture says this, Paul said, and let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And I heard uh, Keith Moore uh, do a 
a great teaching on this. If you don't know who he is, look him up. But here's the thing. Um, there is, when you sow, whether it's finances, when you sow time, when you sow your love, when you sow whatever it is that you sow, know this, there is a kairos of harvest coming for you. Now, the attitude of a farmer, I don't know of one farmer that is any good at what he does that does not or, or that plants seed, I mean, acres and acres of seed in the ground and does not expect a harvest. Mm -hmm. And he has a general sense as to when that harvest is going to take place. And so what, what Paul is saying is this, and by using that Greek word, he's telling this, this, that when you sow, no matter what it is that you're sowing, when you sow, have an expectation in your heart and know that harvest time is coming. Now, here's the good news. Tie this into what I'm telling you. If we will be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will alert you and tell you when harvest time gets here. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, you begin to thank God for your harvest. You know, what happens when that farmer looks out and he sees his crop beginning to come up and then he, he becomes aware that it's, it's you know, it's, we're getting close to time for, for that harvest to take place. Well, he begins to prepare. He begins to make room. He begins to look forward to that and do what's necessary. Why? Because there is a, an appointed time. There is a moment that that is going to take place. Let me ask you a question. What happens if that farmer does not harvest in time. He loses his crop. His crop will rot right out there in the field. So he, it is very important that that farmer does not miss that window of opportunity. And the same thing is true for us. There are things even where harvest is concerned that God is, or the Spirit of God is trying to alert us that the time is now. And so what happens is, though, we're asleep at the wheel. We, we, we don't hear and, and are sensitive to what he's trying to tell us, and we've got crops rotting out there in the field that we have never harvested. And so the Holy Spirit is trying to get us to see that, that he will alert us, he will show us when these opportune times come. Let's go on. Let's look at some more scriptures. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, please. Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to read it to you out of the New King James, and then I'm going to read it to you out of the uh, Amplified Bible. And, and by the way, this is, <laughs> let me tell you this, this is going to uh, develop, this, and I'm talking about this content, is going to develop and grow the more I am able to spend some time uh, praying about this and getting more revelation from the Holy Spirit. So just be in agreement with me over the next few weeks that we're going to see some things from the word that we haven't seen before. Ephesians 5, and I'll read it to you from the, the New King James. <laughs> Ephesians 5 verse 15 says this, see that you walk circumspectly. Now that's an old word that we don't use very much anymore, if at all. <laughs> 
See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, and, and I'm going to read verse 17, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, let me make a comment about verse 17, and then I'll read the Amplified. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. You know, we have this misbelief in the body of Christ that the will of God is this deep, mysterious thing that um, it's really not something we're supposed to find out about. In other words, it, it, it's kind of uh, our Christian life, and this is the way some people think, our Christian life is supposed to be a series of either stuff we stumble up on or God surprises us with, or, uh, you know, we're just kind of like blind people in a dark room trying to figure out where the doorknob is. And, and that's kind of the way people, and I'm talking about believers, their perception is about the will of God. But verse 17 says, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. In other words, Paul had no business writing this scripture if it was not God's intention for us to, with wisdom and understanding, know what the will of God is for our lives. Now, we may not know every detail, but we should not be like trying to, you know, fumble around in a dark room trying to find out, you know, where I'm supposed to go, what I'm supposed to do. And, you know, if there's one thing that I have over the years in talking to Christians, uh, I believe most believers struggle with answering the question, what is God's will for my life? And you know what? That ought not be anything that a Christian struggles with. God wants to reveal his will to you. Plain and simple. Let's look at verses 15 and 16. In the Amplified Bible, it says this, there, look carefully then how you walk, live purposefully and worthily and accurately, not as the unwise and witless, but as wise, sensible, intelligent people, making the most of the time, Kairos, buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. Here's what Paul is saying. Look carefully at how you walk. Listen, walk with some intention, walk with some purpose, live with some purpose, be accurate in that, like you, you know, like they say in the country, like you got some good sense. All right. And then Notice what he says, making the most of every opportunity, every kairos that comes across your life, that comes into your life. Make the most of every God opportunity, every divine appointment, every divine relationship, every divine encounter that God brings into your life. Make the most of that is what Paul is telling us. And then he says, and don't be therefore unwise, but, but understand what the will of God is. So there ought to be uh, these things happening in our lives. And 
through the power and revelation of the Holy Spirit, we are aware of these things. We may not know exactly when they're going to happen, but we know they're going to happen and we're aware and on the lookout for them. Okay. Now, um, just make a note of this. We won't, we won't turn there for the sake of time, but first Thessalonians chapter five, verses one and two, first Thessalonians five, one and two. And I'll read it to you real quick out of the amplified, but as to the suitable times and the precise seasons and dates, brethren, you have no necessity for anything being written to you. In other words, they were looking to Paul to tell them, you know, when are these things going to happen? And he's trying to tell them, no, I don't need to tell you that. You've got all the resources you need through the word of God and through the Holy Spirit to know those things for yourselves. Okay. Now, let me, and, and the Lord just brought this to my remembrance this afternoon as I was going over this. Mark chapter 14. Look at, look at this with me. Mark the 14th chapter. And let's look at verse 12. And I want you, when you read things in the gospels, yes, we understand that Jesus is and was 100% God and 100% man. But understand this, that a lot, if not the vast majority of things that he walked in in his life here on the earth is available to you and me. And the reason I say that is because when we look at the story we're getting ready to talk about, we place this up on a pedestal. And we marvel at it because it happened to Jesus. And while we're marveling at it and we're admiring the fact that it happened to Jesus, there's something in the back of our minds that says, but that will never happen to you. Okay. So let's look at this. Mark chapter 14, verse 12. Okay. So it says, now on the first day of the unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, where do you want us to go and prepare that you may eat the Passover? So Jesus is, you know, the, his ministry is winding down his, you know, the time before his death is winding down. And uh, so they're getting ready to observe the Passover. He and his disciples in verse 13, it said, he sent out two of his disciples and said to them, now, like I always tell you, pay attention to the details. So he says, go into the city and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him wherever he goes in, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large upper room furnished and prepared there. Make ready for us. Now notice verse 16. So his disciples went out, came into the city and found it just as he had said to them and they prepared the Passover. And so we read that and we go, wow, Jesus knew all that was going to take place. Isn't that something? Isn't Jesus something? Well, of course he is. Of course, Jesus is something. 
But here's my point in this. The detail to which Jesus already knew these events were going to transpire did not come to him because he was Jesus, the Son of God. It came to him because he listened to the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to point out one, one fact about this. Notice what it says in verse 13, and, and this is really cool. And he sent out two of his disciples, and he said to them, Go into the city, and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. Now, again, this doesn't mean anything to us. But to a a couple of Jewish men who were these disciples that he sent, this was extremely unusual. This was not a normal occurrence. You know why? Because men did not carry the water pots in Jesus' day. The women did. So Jesus was aware of this detail. If, if, if If he'd have told them, hey, Go and find the first woman you find carrying a pitcher of water. Oh, hey, no big deal. There's going to be a ton of women out there carrying water. But when you said when he said there will be a man carrying water, that's the detail. So what my point is this: the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you what is coming up in your life to the to to the most detail that he possibly can so that you are aware of what's coming up. And notice, uh, because Jesus was paying attention to what the Holy Spirit told him, he was able to express that to the disciples, and the disciples uh, went out and they found it just exactly as he said, the scripture says. And you know another thing that messes us up sometimes is, uh, Pastor, I, I, you know, if the Holy Spirit revealed something like that to me, I couldn't tell my disciples or people to go find that. What if I messed it up? Well, what if you do mess it up? Who cares? Jesus ain't going to fall off the throne and say, oh, pfft, there we go. It's over and done. Okay. No, he'll give you credit for trying. But the point is this. You will never walk in this unless you become aware of what the Holy Spirit is trying to reveal to you and you begin to walk it out, and you begin to act by faith on what he's revealing to you, okay? Now, let's see. We've got a few more minutes here. Um, Go over with me to Colossians chapter 1, please. Colossians chapter 1. Let's look at verse nine. And this is one of what's called in in theological circles, one of the Pauline prayers. There's three prayers in in Paul's epistles in Ephesians chapter one, Ephesians chapter three, and Colossians chapter one uh, that were prayers that Paul documented that he prayed for the believers in these churches. And you, by the way, can pray these prayers, but look at Colossians chapter one, verse nine. Paul said this, I'm going to read it from the new King James first. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask God that you may be filled, filled. Now, I don't know about you, but that means filled up. 
filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Let me, let me read this to you out of the amplified. And, uh, by the way, this is on my notes, but I want you to listen to this very clearly for this reason. We also, from the day we heard of it, have not ceased to pray and make special requests for you asking that you may be filled with the full, deep, and clear knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom, and then parenthetically, in comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God and in understanding and discernment of spiritual things. Man, that last phrase right there, if we as believers could learn to tap into that and walk in that. Let me read that again, that you may be filled with the full, deep and clear knowledge of his will in all wisdom and comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God and an understanding and discernment of spiritual things. You know, anybody ever heard this phrase before? Well, you never know what God's going to do. You know, uh, what is it? The Lord moves in mysterious ways and his wonders to perform. Like there's no way in God's green earth. I can ever understand what God's will is and what he's trying to accomplish and what his plan is. Well, that's not what these verses say. These verses say that I can not only know it, but I can be filled with that knowledge And not only that, I can know what the will of God is, but I can also know the ways and purposes of God. Man, could you imagine what uh, would happen in the body of Christ if we could fully understand why God does some things, how he does some things, the ways and the purposes of God. You know, I'm reminded of the scripture in the book of Psalms that says that uh, when uh, Moses was leading the children of Israel, the Bible says that he made his acts known to the children of Israel, his demonstration, his performances, his miracles, but he made his ways known to Moses. What does that mean? That God revealed to Moses about his character, about his heart, about the whys and the wherefores of some of the things that he did. And uh, I'm telling you, if we could ever tap into, let me rephrase that, when we learn to tap into what the Holy Spirit is desiring to reveal to us, you know, somebody would come up to you and say, you know, I, 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 I just don't know if that can happen. Well, yeah, I know God. I know what God will do in that situation, and this is exactly what he will do. And so we're going to pray and we're going to ask him, and that's exactly what he's going to do. Well, how can you know that? I know the ways of God. I know how God is. You ever known somebody so well that you knew how they would respond to you if you said something to them? You know, particularly, I I can tell you what the response would be even to this day if I got mouthy with my mom, okay? I can tell you what the response would be. 
I don't have to do it to experience it. I've learned her ways. Okay. And, uh, experienced a demonstration or two of that. But anyway, that's beside the point, but I want you to see is that, you know, and I'm just, I'm, I'm being funny, but I'm wanting you to see that God wants us to fully understand the times of what he does, the reasons for what he does. Uh, you know, we, now there's always going to be an element of faith there. And that's why God doesn't show you a to Z. He'll show you the next step and he'll show you what to believe for. He'll show you where to walk, what to do, what to say, and all those types of things, you know, but, but there's got to be an element of faith to it in order to please him. 11 Hebrews 11, six says, okay. Now, uh, let's see. Let's see, you're there in Colossians, back up to Ephesians chapter one, please. And let's look at verse seven. Uh, well, I got to back up to verse three. I can't just jump in the middle of Paul's sentence there. So let's go. Verse three, Ephesians chapter one, verse three, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved, in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Now get this, verse nine, having made known to us. Now, I don't know about you, but that's past tense. Having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. So what does that mean? That God has already now, and, and Paul is talking uh, big picture and little picture at the same time. What do I mean by that? When he talks about the mystery of his will, he's talking about God's great plan of redemption. But I believe he's also talking about that he has revealed let me say it to you this way. Let me paraphrase this by the Holy spirit as a born again, believer, you already have on the inside of you revelation waiting on you of God's complete will for your life. We just have to receive it, walk in it, believe it, walk in it and see it come to pass. But the thing about it is, it, it's it's same principle as if you'll remember, you know, when we were studying the covenant, when God made the promise to Abraham, he he changed what he was saying. You remember when I, when I was teaching you and I said that he told Abraham, he said, "I will make you a father of many nations," etc. Mm -hmm. And then at, at a moment, it changed and it said he God began to talk to him this way: "I have made you a father." 
of many nations. And this was before Isaac was born. So God is saying to you, I have already revealed everything you need to know by the Holy Spirit, and it's in on the inside of you. It's already there. We have to make ourselves available to it and decide to walk in it. All right? Now, God's will is not an Easter egg hunt. In other words, uh, you know, we don't have to seek the knowledge of his will like we're trying to find Easter eggs at Easter time. Because why? That wastes so much time. And God is not about wasting time. God is the most efficient being in the universe. He doesn't waste anything. And so what he wants us to do is to learn what to do and when to do it, and he'll reveal to you how to do it. And this is what has to do with the callings that are on our lives, the things that God wants us to accomplish. And uh, it's, it's, you know, when he talks about it's for an appointed time, that is that kairos. It's a season. It's an opportunity. And so what I believe the Lord is telling us, and we're going to dive more into this next week, but what I believe the Lord is telling us is that for, uh, for you know, maybe all of us, there are some divine things, some appointments, some connections, some things that he is wanting to bring to pass in our lives. And, and he's wanting us to wake up and be looking, listening, and ready for it. Amen. Amen. All right. I'm going to end right there. Praise God. Uh Has this helped you at all? Oh, yes. Okay. Well, praise God. I'm telling you, this is hot off the press from the Holy Ghost. So, you know, he must be mean in business and, and wanting us to get these things. You know, I, I, I know you don't do this either, but you know, when the Holy Spirit ministers something like that to me, I don't, I don't just take it lightly. I don't just slough it off and say, oh, well, you know, wouldn't that be a cute message to preach one day? No, there must be a reason that he said it when he said it. And it was as clear to me as I know my name. All right. So there are some things that God is wanting to do in our lives and it, and we're approaching the time for it. We've got some appointments that we can't miss. All right. Praise God. Amen. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.